We said about two years ago now that we believe that God wanted us to become a church built around this passage of Scripture, around Isaiah 58, and that we were going to try to honor Him and do as much as we can to become, to bring Isaiah 58 to Brunswick, to Cleveland, to children, to the people that God cares deeply about. And as we've done that, God has blessed. So let me read Isaiah 58. And one of the things we're going to see is that it really is a passage about transformation. So let me kind of frame our month by reading Isaiah 58. Now we're into this, and these are a group of people who are big into doing rituals. They like to fast and like to honor God with their lips and the things that they say. But God said, God is saying to them, uh, why have we fasted? They're, they're saying to God, why have we fasted and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? So these are the people that feel like they're doing a lot of the right actions, but they feel that God is not interested in them. Uh, yet God says, on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit your workers. Your fasting ends with quarreling and strife and striking fists. And you cannot fast as you do today and expect that you're going to be heard. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen just for you to humble yourself and bow low? For lying in sackcloths and ashes? He then says in verse 6, Is not this the kind of fast I've chosen, that you loose the chains of injustice, that you untie the cords of the yoke, you set the oppressed free and break every yoke, share your food with the hungry, provide shelter for the poor wanderer, when you see the naked, clothe him, don't turn away from your own flesh and blood from your family. And then he says, Then your light will break forth like the dawn. And he goes on to kind of expound on those areas. But what we see here is this amazing passage of transformation. Because God is going to these people and saying, and if you listen to what he says, he's saying, you are selfish. You don't love your families. You don't care about the poor. You fight with each other. You don't notice those in need. You only say the right things trying to manipulate me as God. You don't do anything that shows you have a right heart. So he's basically telling them, you guys are pretty low on the spiritual totem pole. And what we might expect him to say is, okay, you don't love people. You don't even love your own family. You hit people. You oppress people. You have slaves. You, you would expect him to say, okay, you know, I'm going to put my foot down and stomp you out because you're worthless. But he doesn't. He says, I want to transform you. And if you allow me to... Your light is going to shine in the darkness. And he says, you're going to be called the rebuilder of walls. He says, you're going to rebuild your life and great things are going to happen in your midst when you allow me to transform you. So instead of, and this is important because a lot of times I think we often feel like we are not the kind of person God wants us to be and we're not the kind of person God would be interested in and we don't do the kinds of things that please God. And that is often true, right? But what we see here is that God is able to look at us and label our poor behavior and say, I want to transform you, and when you let me do that, you're going to shine. I want you to give you this great life if you'll let me transform you. So, that's the kind of transformation we're after. And what I have found 
after, you know, I mean, I've, I think I've probably been a follower of Jesus for about 20 years now. I have been in Sunday school classes and Bible college and, you know, taught classes and things like that. And still, while learning is important from Scripture, one of the things that most inspires me to grow is to hear what God is doing in other people's lives. It helps me to be aware of God's work in my life as well. And one of the great ways, greatest ways to grow is to begin to look at your own life and see where God is working and then join Him in that work. So I'm going to invite different people different weeks. This week it's Dave Ivey and Paul Wolf. Come on up, guys. And I'm going to slide this over a little bit. And we're going to start over the first two weeks with some staff and elders at Polaris. And then in the last two weeks of the month, uh, move on to some volunteers and to some people, some of you just, you know, everyday life people and just hear some of the things that God's doing and um, hopefully learn and grow from that. So, let me start with Mr. Wolf. Paul, is Testing. is that mic on? Let's make sure the mic's on. Test. Yes, it is on. Um, Paul, tell us what you do um, for a living and um, what your responsibilities are here at Polaris. I work at a trucking company, uh, operations manager, um, a trucking company in Akron, 20 trucks, 20 drivers, 30 dock workers. Uh, delivering retail freight, things like that. Um, so I'm responsible for just a lot of guys and, and everything they do day to day. A lot of interaction with customers and, and drivers. Uh, here at Polaris, uh, I'm one of the elders, and um, I'm still trying to figure out what my responsibilities are there. Um, tell us a little bit about your God history and some of the benchmarks of your faith. Okay. Um, I grew up in a Pentecostal church. I can't remember a time of, of not being at church um, twice on Sunday, Wednesday, uh, every time uh, the, the church got together, my family was there. Uh, my dad was an elder. Um, he was a janitor. He was everything at the church at, at one time or another. Um, so well, that's I, good to know because we need some custodial stuff. You no, know, so. I've done it. I've done it. <laughs> and... Um, so, I, uh, again, I just get growing up in the church. Um, don't know a time I, I didn't went, got baptized when I was 12 uh, because that was the age to be baptized um, and <laughs> at, at, that, at my church. Um, but then I was rebaptized as an adult when I felt like it was my faith, not my father's faith. So there was a, a benchmark there when it, and it came to a point where it wasn't just uh, going to church and learning stories and things when, when God became real to me personally. Um, and, you know, going to church camp twice a year and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, went through pretty typical things, I think, like most people. Even if you've gone, come up in a church background, I think we all hit a point where uh, we're either uh, take a break, uh, become rebellious, uh, walk away, uh, do whatever on a Sunday instead of coming to church and fellowshipping and skipping one Sunday leads into skipping for me a couple years of Sundays and um, 
And, and my wife picked up the baton at one time and started taking our, our young children at the time to her parents' church. And, and that hit me after a while of seeing her do that repeatedly that um, I felt like I was, I dropped the ball, that it was my responsibility um, and that we should be going to church as a family. Uh, it was another turning point, a benchmark that um, when God really spoke to me and said, you know, this is, this is you you are the priest of the home. You should be doing this. Um, and so he drew me back that way through my wife. So taking this a spiritual leadership role in your home was probably one of the swinging points. Correct. Maybe the swinging point. Absolutely, yes. Okay. Now, Dave, it says here that you are a huge nerd. Yes. Who watches wrestling and buys comic books. I have no problem with that. And yet I end up with the last name Poindexter. We all have crosses to bear. I was this past week, after, after 12 and a half years, um, I, I broke down and told Dave he could go out and buy a, an, an office chair. Um, his, after 12 and a half years, had no more padding, leaned to one side, and the hydraulics were broke, so I broke down and thought, you know, he could go do that. And, and he comes back with this office chair, and, and there's also this bag. And with his own money, he had bought a bag full of comic books. And, and I looked in there, and I said, I said, are those comic books? And he said, yeah, like, like what? They're, they're, you know, don't you buy comic? You know, and I, remember, I remember buying a G.I. Joe comic book when I was nine. <coughs> so Dave is our youth pastor. And, um, and Dave, tell us a little, and I really do believe that God, you know, I have got to actually watch God from when you were in college. Um, really do some amazing transformation in your life. So tell us a little bit about your history and some of your benchmarks briefly. Well, um, I've been born and raised in Brunswick. I thought after high school I'd never come back, but God had other plans. But uh, kind of like uh, Paul, I grew up in the Pentecostal church, uh, was there all the time. Um, I knew how to play church really well. Uh, I didn't really... I ended up giving my life over to God until I was a junior in high school, and I was baptized at that time. Um, but, you know, growing up, my basically the person who I learned the most from was my grandmother. Um, my grandmother was awesome, and in fact, if it wasn't for her, I don't think I would have ever been sitting here or maybe even be alive, but, but yeah. Okay. Um, any main moments in life for you that were like, game changers that, that you can specifically say that that I was different after that moment? Well, I mean, there's, there's a couple. Um, one of the most, the, the, the day I gave my life over to Christ was actually that night. It was right after one of the biggest beatings of my life for my dad. Uh, I actually had to crawl into my bed. And it was one of those moments where I'm laying in bed and I'm like, okay, I'm just kind of done with this whole thing, doing it by myself. And that was one of those moments where I was like, wow. You know, from that moment on, my life was changed. Uh, going off to college was one of those things where, you know, I just wanted to just play football. And being around other men of God in a sport that I loved so much grew my faith majorly. The day I met my wife was probably the biggest game changer because she has basically just been everything I ever prayed for, and she has helped me 
grow and mature, even as a, not just as a man, but as a believer in Christ too. So how, when you, you spoke of some domestic abuse and things like that in your house, how did that affect your view of God and how has God transformed that? Uh, for a long time, I basically, because everyone used to call, you know, they called God Father. I'm like, well, I'm not a big fan of fathers. And so my big thing was I associated my dad with God. And I thought, well, why did you put me in the situation, God, that I have to live this life and, and constantly be on the fear of when my next beating was going to happen? And, and that really made me look at church in a very negative way. Um, and I went to church all the time. Like, you know, it was a lot like Paul. Twice on Sundays, we were there Wednesdays for youth group. I mean, we had church. Your dad's job was a youth pastor. Yeah, <laughs> and in fact, it took. In fact, that being who he was and what he did kept me from ministry for a long time. Uh, I actually wanted nothing to do with ministry because of my father. Thinking, how can a dad, a man who is a pastor, treat their son the way he did? And so I stayed away from, from that. And the, like I said, if it wasn't for my grandmother, uh, she's the one who, who kept on telling me, no, listen, God's more than that. God is not your dad. God is not the, your dad on earth. He's not going to hurt you. He loves you. And through her example and her just being, you know, the grandmother that beat you up with this is not true, this is the way it is, this is the way God loves you, um, that's a huge thing. That's, tra- that's transformed me. And this is a big deal for, for those of you, because I know that, that some of you have, for lack of a better word, crappy relationships with, with your father, um, with your dad. And, and that can be a big deal and usually is a big deal in a relationship with God. But you can get over that and learn to see God as the perfect father that you never had. And, and that's a big deal. And that's why guys like Dave have so much to offer because they've done that, and you can see how God has transformed him and hopefully begin to allow God to do that work in your life as well. So, uh, Paul, um, Dave and I show up to the church office every day. You have what they call a real job. Um, Talk about how you take Jesus into the workplace in your real job. I'll do that uh, in a minute. I wanted to add something. Dave made me think of something when he was talking about his dad in church. Um, my dad in church uh, was kind of the opposite. You know, well, he was still involved with the church, but so involved that I took the attitude over time that I felt like the church kind of robbed me of my father and time with my father, and that I kind of vowed not to be in that same situation, which was a, a point where I kind of walked away um, from church and just had a, a foul taste of some of the experiences. <clears throat> and um, some of those, you know, may have been just excuses on my part for, for not um, following God at those times. But um, I just remember that, that what an impact that had on me as a young adult um, coming out of the, the church scene with my dad and what he did. Um, there's a lot of things I appreciate about my father and what he taught us um, about God and church and um, a relationship and thing. I see his heart was in the right place, and maybe he was just over the top in certain areas. And, um, you know, I can, I'm over it now. But uh, So that was a point where I kind of walked away. Um, but as far as work goes, um, 
you know, working at a trucking company and, and again, dealing with lots of different people, uh, customers, drivers, things like that. Um, try to walk in the door, and I, I've been starting my day uh, recently, um, over the last month or so of, of every morning, um, time with God. And I'm trying to take that into work with me because, you know, it's, it's really hard. You know, you, you come in um, and, and then just the stress of the day starts taking over and, and all the problems you have to deal with. Um, but a couple things that I do, um, I, I won't compromise on um, doing the right thing when it comes to, like, lying to a customer was, was one thing that, that my boss kind of does regularly, like if we miss a shipment or something like that. Just shipped uh, yesterday. Yeah, some reports that got to be done. Uh, Just write this or just do that. And I had to take a stand on it and tell him, you know, I'm not going to do that. Um, So it got me out of doing some of those reports because they needed to be lied on. (laughs) So I didn't have to do them. um, So follow Jesus to get out of work. Right. I just, um, I think that, you know, and I, in, in trying to use those opportunities and, and even talking with the crew and things like that, like just the other day, uh, we were unloading some windows. Uh, we do Pella windows, and um, one of our guys broke one of the windows as we're unloading. Now, we could have easily wrote that up as it was damaged on the trailer, and we received it that way, avoid the claim and all that. So he's looking at me, and he's, you know, well, should we just write it up on the OS&D as being, you know, damage coming in? And I said, that's not the right thing to do. We broke it. So we wrote it up that we broke the window and uh, just things like that. I try to set the example of doing the right thing. Um, and if the opportunity does arise, there's a couple other believers in our office. Uh, we've actually had some prayer time in, in the morning um, with each other. Uh, not a lot, but, but we've done it and um, hopefully continue to do that. So would you yeah. say more than anything, you are letting people oversee your way of life more than like words necessarily? Exactly. More by example, doing the right thing. Um, if there is a way to, you know, it's still touchy as being being one of the, you know, being the operations manager. I kind of worry. I don't want to come across the uh, across the line of, of preaching or, or anything like that to, to the, the workers or anything. But um, I think more by example. Paul, uh, you have done a ton with homeless ministry working with the homeless over the past couple years. How has working with the homeless, how has God used that to transform you and be as specific as you can? Wow. Um, he's, he's transforming me continually um, through the, those experiences and um, uh, teaching me about judgment, being less judgmental, um, compassion. Um, how, how, about, how is he teaching you the judgment thing? What, well, you know, like... Sometimes I think we've all uh, been in a situation where you're you're downtown, you're at an Indians game, you're 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 somewhere, and uh, you come across the guy with the sign or the guy on the bucket holding the looking for a handout, and and a lot of us have probably thought, you know, um, yeah, he's just going to drink it away, or you know, or he's living in a mansion, it was the you know around the corner, and he's making millions off everybody walking down the street, and. You know, if that's his gig and, and he's, you know, that's great. Capitalism at his finest. Right, you know. Um, but, but God taught me um, through some of those. We worked at the Indians uh, games for a while through uh, for a cheer organization. And uh, we saw the same guy all the time. And um, 
I'd give them a buck or whatever we had, a couple bucks a, a night, and took the opportunity because people say, why is he giving that guy money, you know? And I said, well, it's between him and God what he does with that money. It's not up to me. Um, I think God wants me to be generous to that guy. I'm just going to do it, you know, out of obedience, and, you know, maybe he needs it. Um, so it slowly started transforming like that, that I'm not there to say whether he's homeless or not. Um, and then over time, working with the homeless, actually going down to shelters, things like that, and, and talking to uh, people living in, you know, horrible conditions, people under bridges and, and things like that, that there are desperate need out there. Um, and they have nowhere nowhere else to go. If it wasn't for generosity of other people, they would have nothing. Um, and that they're they're truly in a bad way. Uh, they're not faking it. You know. How has that affected your view of your possessions? <laughs> well, that's another thing. Uh, he's, God's been teaching me over the you know past couple seasons of um, just showing me how selfish I have been with my stuff, and that um, you know always felt like I've worked for it. You know, I'm entitled. Uh, I can provide things for my family. I can. You know, I, I, surely I could, you know, if I can pay for it, I'll pay for it. Um, I haven't always been good about paying for things uh, with cash, which is a problem. <laughs> but anyway, um, it's just showing me that, that that stuff is becoming less important uh, as, as time goes on to me. That um, and now I'm actually, in my heart, truly desiring to find ways to use my resources to help. Um, and unfortunately, I'm, you know, I'm not, not in a position to do that all the time because of, I think, the way I've lived and what I've created for myself. So God's just showing me to develop that, that margin and develop um, an attitude of uh, selflessness and, you know, maybe that, that the stuff's not important. Um, my stuff's not important at all, that his people are important. Well, and Operation Homes, if you're new to Polaris, uh, once a quarter or so, we become essentially the homeless shelter of Medina County. And so that's what Operation Homes is about, and we talked about need. That's a great first step. In, Can I say something with, about that? That yeah. um, working, in, uh, we also go downtown Cleveland, and we work with homeless down there twice a month. And, um, you know, Sandy Jenkins has done an awesome job of just picking up the ball there and taking the, the youth down there. A lot of the kids are going down, and um, handing things out, we collect clothes, water, anything we can take with us, uh, partnering with other churches. But anyway, the, the homeless there, um, and we are talking to bridge people, we're talking to people with absolutely nothing, people in shelters, and um, it's a much different thing than Operation Homes. Operation Homes in Medina County, we're not getting that, you know, out of grade of homeless, I guess you say. These are more people like could be me um lost my job couldn't pay my rent got kicked out got no family in the area uh you know just in between things just uh kind of down and out for a period and they need uh, a hand up right yeah, now. and you would never know i mean you right. would never guess Some, you standing know, in line in front working. of somebody from that that, that 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 was their situation right so it's a def definitely a different we're not pulling um you know mentally ill people out of the gutter from under a bridge in Cleveland and bringing them to Polaris 
it's just you know there's a difference screening and right you know, they go safety through police stuff, background yeah. checks things like that so yeah. operation homes is a very safe environment for the volunteers especially um dave i think a natural next question then is how have you learned to forgive your dad or have you you know i i forgive my father that doesn't mean I still don't have anger. Um, there's days that I'm straight out just mad, and you know, just angry of just the life that I had to grow up in, and then angry of this junk that I have to deal with now. And uh, you know, he's in jail. He's in federal prison right now, and I think they transfer him from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. And there's been days I'm like, oh, I want to take a trip out to Pennsylvania, and say hi. Um, but in my heart of hearts, when, when my case was done, you know, I ended up having to go to, to court with my dad. Uh, he had basically put, you know, $40,000 of bad debt in my name without me knowing. And um, had to go through, through the whole court systems with that just to get any closure on that, anything that even having resemblance of a, of a future financially. And uh, after that court case was done and he was sentenced, I said, okay, I'm turning the page. I am now going to do my best just for him. Pray that he learns and he actually gets out of jail and does something positive, you know, in his life. And um, and so that's the thing. I, I, I've, in fact, shortly after the, the case, about two years later, is when I made a decision to to leave my secular job and, and get into the ministry. And that was huge for me. I had, I had That was the time where I'm like, okay, it's time to move on. It's time for me to change. And I see that process, and I guess that's what I learned from. And for those of you that struggle with you know, forgiveness and when you've been wronged in, in pretty sizable ways, um, don't let the fact – you're probably never just going to hit the light switch and be done. No. Um, it probably just isn't going to happen. It could, I guess, but I've never known the case where it's just, oh, yeah, and then the person's being authentic that – it's a process. It's, it's a daily process of renewal and reminders and, and prayer and things like that. All right, Dave, how has, and we've got about six minutes left, how has working with other people, helping other people grow, made a difference in your own walk with God? Well, I mean, to, to see the growth in, in someone is, is excellent. I, and he's not here today. Uh, John Levy, I love that kid. Uh, he, he's a great kid. He, you know, to, he grew up in very similar, um, you know, this, this life. You know, he just had a lot of family and, and a lot of just stuff. And, and I know that he, uh, he grew up angry. And uh, I grew up angry. And to be able to sit there and pour into him and be able to just watch his growth and to be able to walk through just some junk that he had in his life. It's been cool to, to see his growth. And, and he's got, you know, he wants to be a youth pastor, which is, like, awesome. And and I, I really hope that he's a senior this year. I'm looking forward to see his his you know continued growth. But uh, and, and it's not just John. I mean to, to be a I, I say this every time I think I'm on stage, and I, and I say it with every this part of my heart. I love my job. I love being a youth pastor because I just love get being able to be there for someone who is teenagers who need it. And the reality is that they're, they're growing. Their walk with gods are usually very young. Uh, they deal with just constant just life. And I love being able to just be able to help them and, and be there for them and love them. And that's something for you to know. If you're new in your walk with God or even 
there's going to be a point where you need to begin to invest in the people around you and bring them up to where you are. And you may get stuck until you do that. I mean, there, there is just tremendous growth for you as you help other people grow. And if you've never tried that, there's a church near us called Momentum Christian Church, and one of the guys named Dan Smith has a sermon that he will often do called Batman and Robin, and it's you need a Batman and you need a Robin. You need the mentor and you need the mentee, mentoree, or however you say that. Um, you need the Batman, the guy who's training you, and then you need the Robin, the guy that you're training, and, and that's a pretty good recipe for a life of continual growth. Okay, um, Paul, real quick, why do you anoint with oil? What, what is it and why do you do it? <laughs> okay. Not yourself, but um, why do you anoint people with oil? It, one of those things, par- partially because just growing up in the, in the Pentecostal church, very charismatic, um, uh, spiritual gifts and things, and, and we did it at church, uh, so I was familiar with it. Um, but just throughout Scripture, uh, there's anointing with oil throughout the, the Old Testament, uh, anointing people, kings, anointing the temple, anointing objects. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two, they went and, and anointed with oil and, and for healing. And um, in the book of James, it says, if there's any sick among you, let them call the elders and come and be prayed for and anointed with oil for healing. And if you sin, uh, your sins will be forgiven. So just right out of scripture, I'm just doing it because of that. Okay. And when we talk about anointing with oil, you're talking about a jar of pure olive oil and basically a thumb cross. I don't do the cross thing. That's kind of, you know, that was to me just... He just takes a handful and smears it on your face. Okay. Um... One more question for each of you. What has to be in your life, Paul, for you to be growing? Um, it might sound pretty simple, and, but uh, one thing I need, I need uh, fellowship with other believers. I need to be plugged in with, with people that believe what I believe and that can encourage and help me. Um, I need to be praying, and I need to be reading my Bible and, and trying to stay plugged into God that way um, and being obedient. I think, uh, to, to God and what he's been telling me um, in, in order to be growing. Um, don't wanna, you know, I don't have a time to expound on that, but there's just plenty of times where I've noticed, uh, I know God told me to do something, and um, I'll do it for a period and either not and stop doing it, and then suddenly things go cold, and I can't figure it out or... You know, whatever, and then uh, you know, start speaking to me again. You're not doing what I told you to do. You know, so um, and the only way you can really, you know, understand that or do that is to be plugged in with Him, and that's through prayer and through His Word. Dave, what has to be in your life to grow? Um, consistency. <laughs> uh, I am a, a definitely a, a, hum, a human of, of habit. Um, and it's one of those things, even when I was in football, to be consistently doing what I needed to do to get better, um, whether in the weight room, on the track, whatever. But I, I kind of moved that over to my spiritual life. Um, I need to be consistently in God's presence, whether it be in prayer, journaling. And I got to thank you for that. You know, when we were starting to go to Polaris way before I was part of the ministry staff, uh, he, he was talking about journaling and uh, how to journal in your Bible and stuff. And that just that helped my walk just kind of even skyrocket because I'm a visual person and I need to sit down I write down my prayers, write down what's going on in my heart my mind, um, you know and I read his word and when I'm not doing that it, it feels like I'm a flat tire it feels like I'm just limping along 
And I can definitely tell in my personal life, not just my spiritual life, when I'm doing those things, when I'm consistently in front of him and consistently just bringing my life to him. Okay. Well, what you guys are going to see this month is that just like Paul can look back and say, I have a story, and David can look back and say, I have a story, and you see God's story at work in everyone, I want you to realize that you have a story. There is a story of God's activity in your life. And even if you look at your life now and see nothing, like God has not done a thing in my life aside from, you know, keep me alive, or, or you look and say, if I were to rate myself on a 1 to a 10 of my life with God, I'm at a 2. I mean, I, I know I could point out a Bible if I saw one and, and, you know, whatever. One time I did something nice for somebody. God wants to raise your level, and He wants to build a friendship with you and he wants you to understand the story of your walk with him and so i hope over this month as you begin to hear people's stories you can take some time this week and next week and and think about what has happened in your life to make you who you are and what might need to happen next for you to develop your friendship with God because God is, clear message of Scripture, pursuing a friendship with you.